Amen. That is the series we are in, Generation Now. And today we're looking at this idea that age is just a number. Uh, If you're online with us right now, there's a symbol that some generations know as a pound symbol. Other generations know it as a number symbol. And other generations know it as a hashtag. You can drop that right now in the comments. Let our hosts know that you are there. And uh, that is the reality of a multi-generational movement is how we view and look at things is often different. I was actually reminded by my kids that for, uh, and I didn't know this, so if, if you're under 25, age is just a number means something else online right now, stay with me, we're going to redeem it. Amen? Some of you are like, what's he talking about? If you don't know, it's okay. All right? Uh, and so as we look at this today, we're actually going to be in Numbers 13. You can turn there if you'd like, because uh, we're, we're going to dive into his word. But for, so I'm in my 20th year of marriage to my wife, Cindy. And uh, yeah, come on. You know, God has blessed us. Uh, if you get to know her, I've married way up in every way, and uh, Jesus is just that good. And, uh, and so for 20 years, I've actually uh, wanted to do this to have a little fun, and uh, I got her approval for what you're about to see. So uh, this is actually Cindy's homecoming picture. You ready for this? Uh, this is her as the homecoming queen, and uh, I won't tell you what year, but yeah, that's my girl, right? And so she was the homecoming queen, and we grew up in different towns, and uh, we're from actually, uh, there was a little bit more than space and distance there. There was uh, some, some time between us. Uh, is the best way to describe it. And again, I got her permission for this, but I've always wanted to, to be able to jump into a time warp and show up at that homecoming. Because if you're looking at that, that's not me in that picture. In that moment, this next picture is your lead pastor when she was homecoming queen. What? <laughs> Y'all are so mean. I, I actually, I reached out to my mom this week and I said, hey, can you find that picture of that particular year? And she did and she sent it and we both were rolling because this was probably my worst yearbook picture. Now, I'll, I'll show you what I, I, she actually sent me a second one to try to redeem it, so, so we'll, we'll go to this. Uh, this is that same year, uh, this is a few months later, I'm rocking the high tops, the stonewashed jeans, and for those of you of my generation, that's an OP shirt. Ocean Pacific, do they even still exist? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, and so there is a moment when age is a number that matters. Um, that might have been one of them, okay? But here's the reality. Uh, Ten years later, uh, when God had done a work in her life and done a work in my life, we met, and we've never been the same since. You see, when we allow God time and space to work and to do his thing, it's amazing what God can do. And it's amazing to me, as we sang about, you know, today, the land of the living, walking by faith, believing in what God has, great is thy faithfulness. Our church, Pathway, has, 
has a story from generation to generation. I want to show you a few pictures and take you down memory lane for a minute. This is where the church actually started. This is the Vero Beach Women's Club. In 1940-41, there was outreach to kids, vacation Bible school kind of things. Then they began to meet at the, the Vero Beach Women's Club and began to form for a couple of years the nucleus that would actually launch the church into its first building, which is the next picture. There was a group that here in these three different pictures you can see uh, built what is the 14th Avenue building that part of it is an art gallery today, part of it is behind Taco Dive, shout out, you owe me money, Taco Dive. Um, but, but it's in that area on 14th Avenue. You see, from one generation to another, there was something God was doing by faith. From 14th Avenue, it was about 30 years later that the church moved to 27th Avenue. And here's a picture of that property and that facility. God did a great work there. God moved for, for years as the property was not just, it's not what you see there in the picture. It started small and it continued to grow on that land as people by faith believed and walked and sacrificed and surrendered and allowed the Lord to move. The congregation continued to expand for a, a number of decades. In fact, it was there that the, the vision and, and the birthplace, if you will, for Master's Academy uh, was actually envisioned. And, and so all of that then led a congregation that, that literally on an August day about 20 years ago took a walk from that property to this property to 58th Avenue, which is, I believe, the next picture. And this picture actually was taken shortly after I came last fall. It was around November, and it was interesting that somebody had captured this. Because we know that scripturally, after God flooded the earth, he gave a promise and a covenant to Noah. And he did it by using a rainbow that symbolized that he would never again destroy the earth. God is a good God, a covenant God, a promise keeper. And, and this, I think, for the, those that saw this picture then, about a year ago, and for those of us today, is a reminder that God has been faithful through it all. That our God is a God through every generation that he looks and says, I want to move now. Your age, your stage is purposeful if you'll follow me by faith. Caleb in Numbers 13 is this incredible man of God. If you'll turn there with me, we're going to look at his story because he doesn't get a lot of time in scripture, but the time he gets is so powerful. And as you turn there, I just want to remind us that from generation to generation, our God is working in every generation. John Thompson, an author and pastor, says it this way. He says, you and I are simply a couple of the latest participants in the conversation about discovering what generation after generation have discovered. How faithful Jesus has been in building and preserving his church. Not our church, but his church, because Jesus is the head of his church, amen? Our God is faithful, and as we look at Caleb's life, I believe that there are some things that are going to instruct us and give us some hope and some encouragement today, and yes, it's going to challenge us. You see, there's a moment in Numbers 13 where Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies are sent into the land. 
They're, they're sent into this land to spy it out. Moses actually wants to understand, okay, what's going on in this place called Canaan? What's going on in this promised land? And as he sends out the spies, they come back with a report. We pick up in Numbers 13, verse 27. It says, they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we see the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. They're basically saying that there's a lot of ites in the area, a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of reasons why maybe we shouldn't move forward. Maybe we should hold on and not step into this land that God has for us. Verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Can you say that with me? We are well able to overcome it. You see, if you're taking notes, at every age, we need to magnify God's promises, and, minim and that actually minimizes your problems. There were 10 spies that looked at the problems, looked at the issues, looked at the concerns, looked at the chaos, looked at the difficulties, looked at whatever has been affecting you. The problems that you have seen in your own life, the things that maybe you feel, I don't know if I can move forward. I don't know if I can step into what is next because of all of these things I see. We live in a time right now where if we turn on news, we turn on social media, it is ratings driven. It's entertainment driven. And often the things that we want to feed on aren't the good things. Often our news and social media feel, uh, feeds are filled with the problems. They often sound like the 10 other spies that, that no, there's, there's problems and there's giants and there's things that would hold us back, things that would keep us from moving forward. But you see what we see with Caleb, see, magnified God and God's promises. He, he realized that yes, there are giants in the land and there's issues and there's problems and I'm not gonna ignore them, I'm just not gonna make them the focus. How many of you just a little shift in your focus would make all the difference right now. To begin to magnify and maximize, to enlarge your view of who God is and what he's able to do. God has been so faithful in every generation to his church and to his people. And yes, we have been through a lot in this country in the last few years. But our God is not done because he hasn't returned yet. And if we're waiting on Jesus' return, that means he's still at work in our world. And he's looking for a generation of people. People that have that spirit of Caleb and Joshua that will say, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, there's some hard things happening. But I still know who my God is. I still know that he's able to overcome that he's bigger than any challenge, bigger than any problem.
That's why when we come together, there is such hope in the Lord. Whatever you came in carrying today, or whatever you laid down during worship, I want to tell you, God's big enough to carry that. God is able, if you'll keep your focus on him and allow him to move and to work, our God is constantly wanting to do more. Somebody a little over a year ago heard that as we were looking and you know, facing and, and deciding, God, where do you want us? You know, I, some of you know I'm from Michigan, and so we were a part of a church there for about 14 years, and we were weighing out, God, what do you have for us? What's next? And as, as we were weighing that out, there was actually somebody in the process that said, I don't believe God's done in Vero. I don't believe God's done where you're at or where you're looking at, but you need to know how hard and how challenging that work will be. And it was a moment because I, I think that they meant well. But you ever been around people and you kind of walk away going, I don't, I don't actually know if they meant well. <laughs> like they said it with a smile, but it kind of felt like a bless your heart kind of moment. <laughs> Y'all are backhanded with that too sometimes, right? <laughs> it, it was almost like that moment could have derailed us, could have said, wow, are we up for the challenge? Are we up for what God has? And what I sensed in it was not that I was up to the challenge or I was able, but that my God was saying, I'm not done and I'm with you. And that's the thing that excites me the most is I know God is with us. And my hope and my prayer is that we collectively begin to, to recognize and know God is with us. And if he is with us, we have everything we need for whatever that next step is. There may be giants in the land. There may be things ahead of us. There may be giants in your life right now that you're facing. Maybe in your marriage. Maybe with your kids. Maybe in your workplace or in your neighborhood. Ooh, it got quiet. Our God is able. If we believe and walk by faith and know that he is with us. And this is what Caleb believed and Joshua believed. So revivalist Leonard Ravenhill that years ago said this. He, he said, the world is not waiting for a new definition of the gospel. But a new demonstration of the power of the gospel. What does it look like for us to proclaim the good news of Jesus, but to do so with faith and power to believe our God wants to bring healing and deliverance, that he wants to touch and heal marriages and kids, that he wants to work in relationships, that he wants to do a new thing, something that we can look at and say, yeah, it was tough, and we couldn't have done it on our own because it was our God. That's what God I believe is waiting for is a people that say, hey, we can't do it, but we know with God, he is able and we will give him the glory. Unfortunately, in that moment, for them, there were two spies that believed and 10 that did not. And the 10 that did not were the majority. And that majority won out over the other two. They began to sow discord and rebellion 
And before long, the people of God missed out on what God had. Let me read it to you, the next few verses. In verse 31, it says, Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought up the people of Israel, a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. At every age, we need to magnify not our problems, because if we magnify your problems, it minimizes God's power. When we magnify the problem, when we focus on the problem, when we make the size of the issue and the problem bigger, it negates God's power. God is still sovereign. God is still all-powerful. God is still able. But he, what we see in this story is because they didn't believe, because they were so focused on what they could do in their own strength, and they magnified the problem, it Negated God's power. In fact, if you read on, what happened next is really quite sad and tragic. The rebellion continued and the discord was sowed. There was so much division. They literally began to say, we don't want to just, we don't want to enter into the promised land. We, in fact, would love to go back to our bondage and the slavery we came from. You ever been there? Where, where you know God's saying, hey, it's different, it's new, I've got something next for you, but it's like, I don't know, because at least I am familiar with this. And oftentimes, people that have been through abuse or been through other issues, you know, we say we want change in a new thing, but as a people, we are hardwired to not want change. And sometimes it's easier to go back to what's familiar even when what's familiar hurts us. That's what the people begin to say is, no, nah, we don't want to go forward. We're going to rebel. And unfortunately for them, an entire generation literally is going to die out before they're able to move forward. The fear and the rebellion led to this generational delay. 45 years until we pick up the story in a minute. This delay wasn't because God wasn't able. It was because of their disobedience, their focus on the problems and the issues. And yes, we need to just take a moment and recognize there are, there are things right now that that generationally and generation now are, are differences that are gaps. Anybody else notice that we're having trouble understanding each other? I mean, we're so blessed as a church with the diversity of people that God has given us. It's a gift. But it also means that we've got to take time to, to get to know one another in every generation. Because for them, there's this long delay, and an entire generation misses out and loses out. Uh, Pew Research, a few years ago, put out a survey, and they were trying to survey, and what they found was the results were fairly 
similar from one generation to another. And, and some of the biggest issues that they found, differences, were actually that the way we use computers and new technology is a big difference. I, I got to tell you, we, we have uh, so, some of the greatest generation in this church. We have some folks that, that are in their 90s, and I'm amazed at how well they've aged and how well they've managed to keep up with technology. There's somebody in our church that I'm aware of and know and have talked to that back in their early childhood had a slop pot in their house as the bathroom. And they're on Zoom today leading meetings and participating. <laughs> Blows my mind. Often technology is something that's an issue. The second one they found that's often a common issue is music. <laughs> Welcome to church. <laughs> How often do we say, oh, that's not my song. I don't like that one. As if we're going to a concert. You see, today, by God's design and God's grace, we covered about 50 years in our worship set. Some of you loved every minute of it. Some of you, there were songs that you were like, mm -mm. I'm not worshiping to that. Mm -mm. I hear a drum. I can't even stay on beat with that. We got to be able to laugh, right? And the truth is that, that, yes, music could divide us, but it also could unite us. It could actually unite us if we began to say, hey, we're going to come to worship, and we're going to expect that there's a song, and there's a moment that might be for a different generation in the room. And because of that, we're going to celebrate what God's doing in that generation. That's what unity looks like. That's what's possible. In addition, they found not only technology and music are often issues, but they found that work ethic, <laughs> every generation thinks the next generation are slackers. You can look at it. I've seen quotes from the 30s and 40s about the generation and how lazy they are. Like, seriously, you would think you're reading something today between boomers and millennials, which, by the way, Gen X does exist. Work ethic always seems to be a question, and then moral values. And, and here's the thing, in every generation, there's things that we have to figure out together. And what we see is a God who says, listen, I want to step into that. And there was a generation with Caleb and with Joshua that didn't really get it. In fact, it was almost if they thought what God was saying was a suggestion I want to ask you, have, have you begun to look at Jesus as suggestion by Jesus? Have you actually begun to look at Jesus like, mm, yes, no, maybe? Some of you old enough to remember those notes? We passed them in school, do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe? I got so many maybes, y'all. I had plenty of no's, and praise God, I got one yes. <laughs> But sometimes we can look at Jesus as if he's suggesting 
hey, I want you to go forward into the promised land. These aren't suggestions. Jesus is our Lord. These, these are things that we're to obey him in. And the thing we see with Caleb that's so hopeful is all we know, let me, let me read to you number, uh, yeah, Numbers 14, verse 24. It says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he went and his descendants shall possess it. You see, what we see here with Caleb, so we don't get a lot of his detail for those 45 years, but what we get is a glimpse of somebody who is obedient, who said that I'm going to be different even if, that I'm going to follow faithfully. He had an obedient spirit, a different spirit. And I just wonder how many of us need to make some decisions in this season. Maybe you feel like there's been some delays, some things that you're looking at your life and you're like, I thought God was going to do this 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. Maybe you just need to, to be encouraged today to know that you can make a commitment to follow wholeheartedly, to follow by faith. And sometimes it's by looking at what are the things we're committed to. A couple years ago, I began wrestling. I began to feel a, a shifting just in my own life and, and going through some hard things. And, and in that, I, I read a book called The Second Mountain. It's funny because Caleb wanted to take the mountain in his, in his early 40s. He was ready. And, and this book talks about that many of us are ready early on, right? We're, we're building, we're growing, it's career chasing, it's family oriented, it's all of these things. And then something in that space between, between our hopes and our dreams, begins to materialize where we realize the things that we were chasing maybe aren't the things that are going to bring the most fulfillment. That maybe we need to redefine the things we're wholly committed to. And so in this book, The Second Mountain, David Brooks outlines these four key commitments that, that tend to bring meaning and purpose to that second mountain in life. Because some of you, it's a reorienting right now. The, the pandemic, the things we've been through have been hard and difficult. And you're asking the question, God, what's next? What are you leading me towards? So these four key questions. The first is around vocation. What is the job? What is the clarity that you're bringing to the profession that you're called to? The second one is a spouse and a family. That when we commit to a spouse and or a family, even extended family, if when we're a later season, that that begins to give clarity and meaning and purpose to us. The third is a philosophy or faith. And I, I just want you to circle faith, right? I want you to circle faith and say, if I commit to a faith like Caleb did, wholeheartedly on fire for the Lord, God can do something in every season. And then fourth, a community. This is where we begin to realize that life is bigger than us that we need each other, that we need people in our life and community. When we begin to get clarity about what the second mountain may look like, we can begin to follow God in every season. I wonder how many of you are ready to take another mountain. No matter your age and stage, Caleb is somebody, I love his story because it, it, you can flip to Joshua and in the book of Joshua, we're going to see that he 
45 years later, had the same passion, the same fire, the same excitement. And that age was just a number. That, that actually God, 45 years later, began to move on him because he began to believe. So let's look here in verse 6. It says, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua Gilgal, and Caleb the son, I'm not even going to try, of Jephunneh, I guess I tried. The <laughs> Kenizzite said to him, You know that the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. Say holy. Holy, not holy in the sense of God's holiness, but holy, all of who I am, all of who he is, all of me is following my God, he says. And Moses swore on that day, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have what? Holy followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses. He says in verse 11, I'm still as strong today as I was in that day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. Isn't that amazing to see? Caleb's name, I didn't tell you this earlier, actually means dog. His name in the Hebrew actually means dog. That here's a guy, you look at him and you're like, this guy's a pit bull. Like he's a dog, like 45 years later, he is ready to take another mountain. I wonder how many of us are in a place where God's saying, listen, do you believe? Are you wholly following me? Do you believe that even though it didn't happen in your timing and in the way you thought that I could still do it? Church, this is a call to a greater faith today. It's a call to believe that our God is able at every age, if you're taking notes, wholly following God leads to passion and purpose in every generation. This phrase, wholly following God, it's used eight times in scriptures. Six times it's used about Caleb. It literally defines who he is. It's part of the makeup of, of Caleb's life and legacy. I just wonder, like, have we lost sight of, well, maybe I'm too old, or maybe I'm too young. Like, what is God saying to you in this season? Not to the church, to you. What is God saying to you that he's saying, listen, do you believe? Will you follow me by faith? Do you know that I want to use you and that it's never too late? My grandpa can remember in his early 80s, he won a couple awards from local nonprofits for volunteering so much. I remember going, Grandpa, you're working, you're working more now for free than you did for Grand Trunk Railroad for all those years. What's the deal? He said, Brian, show me retirement in the Bible, and I'll retire. Whoo. You see, some of us have suggestion box Jesus. 
Some of us have retirement, Jesus. And, and at some level, we've allowed Jesus to not just be a suggestion, but potentially somebody who we think, well, maybe, maybe. And, and we feel like, well, retirement is a place where, nah, I don't know if God still wants to use me. Can I just encourage you? Jesus doesn't retire. He returns. And so that means that at every age and stage, you have gifts and God wants to use you. And some of it may be new. I found this crazy story about this guy, Charles Euster. He was from the UK. He retired as a dentist in the UK, moved to Switzerland. Here's a picture of him. At 86, he looked in the mirror and didn't like the way he looked. So you know what he did? He started training in bodybuilding. You can look this up. In the next 10 years of his life, between 86 and 96, he won more than 100 awards, five gold medals in Masters Olympics events. He had never done any of that. But he decided at every age and stage, with a little bit of passion, maybe I can do something new. Maybe I could do something new. So holy following God. One of the things that happens with Caleb, as you see later, that they go into the promised land. And, and it reads in, in the scripture like it happened in like two minutes. It took six to eight years. Six to eight years from we, what we can tell. From the moment at 85 that he says, yes, I'm ready. And here we are in a very impatient American culture that has infected sometimes even how we experience God in the church because we're operating on our timetable, not his. Can I just encourage you that God wants to use you right now and that the process may take a little bit longer than maybe what you would like or choose, but God can show up in it. And it's in those spaces that he creates a deeper dependency. He creates new community. He creates purpose. Coming up on uh, September 25th, we have a spiritual gifts workshop. This workshop is for everyone. And wouldn't it be great if we just flooded this with people saying, hey, not only do I want to know what my gifts are and my purpose, but I want to meet some other people. And I want to be in community and do that together. You could sign up on our website, just pathwayvb.com slash gifts. But let me close with these two verses and a couple of questions. From 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 5, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to the great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Your God has given you, if you've received Jesus, an inheritance that's incorruptible. And when we begin to walk in that identity, 
God begins to move through every age and every stage. And church, it's time. It is time for us to say yes. I believe God wants to tap many of us on the shoulder in this season and say, hey, you've been hanging out. You've been around. Or hey, you're brand new. Or hey, you've been here for decades. But it's time because my work here is not done. So three questions for you to close. Are you magnifying God or your problems right now? What are you more focused on? God or your problems? Are you like the 10 spies that that were so overwhelmed and say, no, I can't change that, I can't do that? Or do you believe that God is able to show up in your situation? Secondly, are you wholly following God with your gifts and your purpose? Or do you have compartments of your life that aren't wholly his? And third, will you just say this with me? Never too young, never too young, never too old, and never alone. That was awful. (laughs) That's not the way to close the service. Can we try it again? Never too young, never too old, and never alone. That's God's design, that we look at each other and we say, we're never too young to be used by God, we're never too old, and we're never going to do it alone. We're going to do it together. God moved on Caleb in a mighty way, and they saw the victory and they saw breakthrough. I want to just pray over us and believe that, that God has been speaking to your heart today, that there's something he's doing, whether you're online or in person, that he's saying, I've got more for you. I want to believe that this is going to be a time to respond and to say yes. So Jesus, we come to you now and we thank you. We thank you that you are moving now in our midst. And I pray for greater faith, greater faith to follow you, to believe, whether we feel too young or too old, feel passed by or maybe we missed it. I pray right now we wouldn't miss you and that we would wholly say yes to you, all of who we are for all of you. Jesus, have your way. Meet us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship him if you're able. The kneeling benches, the altars are open. Let's just declare what we believe. Age is just a number. When God shows up, And we begin to say yes. That's all that matters. Make him what matters in this moment. Show us.
you do change everything. Our hope is found in you, and I just pray that, God, we would, by faith, walk with you at every age and stage, that we would have the faith, like Caleb, to wholly follow you and to believe for what you want to do. Father, I pray that we would love you and love all people in our pathway this week. Use us in a mighty way to proclaim the good news and to do it in power. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 If you're a visitor, please come out to our Welcome Center. If you're a senior, we have an area in our cafe for you. If you need prayer, we'll stay up here and available. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.